Welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church Podcast. We're a vineyard church plant in Toowoomba, Queensland, passionate about discovering the joy that comes from following Jesus in community. Each Sunday, we record the messages from our gatherings so you can follow along the journey from wherever you are. Stick around at the end and we'll let you know how to connect. In the meanwhile, enjoy the message. We, if you haven't been here for a little while or it's your first week, uh, we are on week four of an eight-week series and we're looking at the parables uh, in Luke. So Luke is a book of the Bible. Um, Luke was a bit of a dude. He was very into detail, I have discovered. Um, and so um, we are looking at that and, and, and looking at how these parables might actually apply to our lives today um, in our everyday And so if you don't know what a parable is, uh, just a little recap. Um, Chris introduced them as a puzzle, hence the reason we had a Rubik's Cube floating around up there. Um, And they're used to teach us or to reveal the kingdom of God to us. Um, And if you don't know what the kingdom of God is, um, it was Jesus' mission on earth. So he came to represent God's kingdom here on earth. And the thing that he did was he proclaimed um, the kingdom was near, so he was like announcing, hey guys, kingdom of God is here, it's near, it's happening, get on board. And then he demonstrated. So he was a very practical guy, which I really appreciate. Um, And he demonstrated the kingdom in like miracles and um, in the way that he interacted with people. So every interaction that we see Jesus having in the Bible, we see people walking away more whole than they were before they met him. And I love that. That's what I love about Jesus. Um, Because I feel like if I look at my life, that's been my story along the way, that every interaction with Jesus, I've seen a little bit more wholeness come into my life, Um, which is kind of cool that that's for us today. So um, I think it's good to think about the Bible and and just remind ourselves that it is actually relevant today because I think sometimes like... It's like it's a historical text. Like, really, if I was at school, I'd be like, boring. Um, That doesn't apply to me. But actually, it's this book of not out-of-touch words. It's entirely relevant um, to our time now. And um, it was so radical at the time um, when Jesus was was walking around. And and I I just think it's helpful to remember that... um, I think it's helpful to remember that it's still radical today. Um, what we read in the Bible is radical. It actually applies now. Um, and, the, and I think as we read the scriptures um, and we allow the Holy Spirit to, to shape us and mould us and, and teach us, um, like it's really exciting that we get to kind of walk towards Jesus and, um, and, and learn about this faith, faith thing as we read this book. So anyway, that's just some opening thoughts. Um, we are going to crack open our Bibles. Again, I have no slides because... I get really distracted um, by myself, so um, we're just going to go simple again this week. Uh, we're going to be looking at Luke 14, 15 to 23. You can whip it open on your phone or your paper or whatever works for you, or just listen. I need to catch my breath for a sec. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my temperature just went, like, very hot, like an oven. Um, 
Breathing is a really good idea, eh? Not underrated at all. And I feel like I'm getting really bad at breathing. Oh, okay. Yeah, small humans, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. T's like, yeah, I have no room anymore either. I can't breathe. All right, so <laughs> Luke 14, um, 15 to 23. Um, so it's called the parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Surely he would have tried it out before he bought the oxen. Anyway, um, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Um, So just to unpack that briefly, um, Jesus is hanging out at a Pharisee's house for a meal. And if you're new to Jesus or you're just working out faith, um, the Pharisees were like these Jewish religious leaders of the day and they were kind of like an exclusive group of people. They had crazy high standards um, that got, and they, they managed to keep. Well, their thing was that they kept all to all the rules that um, God had set out in the, in the Old Testament. And they had like really an us and them mentality, like we are. Uh, we're the holy ones, like where the chosen ones were. I don't know. They're just this exclusive group. So that's how I find I find it helpful just remembering that that's kind of their attitude to going around life um, and, and the world at that time. So one of the Pharisees, one of these um, religious leaders at the table, he makes this observation or a statement that this this meal that they're sitting in, that they're enjoying together with all of these elite Um, religious leaders, that this is what it's going to be like to have a fancy meal and enjoy the kingdom of God. So he just kind of blurts that out at the start. But Jesus turns around, and this is what I love about Jesus, he kind of just turns around and he's like, he slams him down, like he really cuts him down and tells him that he's wrong and that he's got it all backwards. But I feel like he kind of does it in a kindish way rather than just going, you're wrong, Um, which I feel like I would do. But anyway, So that's kind of what we've just read. Um, And there are a number of ways that this passage can be interpreted. Um, We've been talking about over the last three weeks how um, parables often have different different meanings um, and and different focuses. And so you might have heard some of these. Um, 
So number one, you could you could read that parable and you could go, oh, well, no one can enter the kingdom of God without an invitation from God. Uh, spoiler alert, Jesus' invitation is open to everyone, just in case you didn't know that one. Um, so that's one interpretation. Another one is that um, some people may think that they have more time to accept Jesus' invitation into the kingdom of God. And so, like, we make excuses and we kind of delay it, delay accepting the invitation. But actually, the invitation to the kingdom of God is here and now, um, and we're missing out on the party. Um, Another way that it could be interpreted is uh, that, in actual fact, every single person is invited Um, and is welcome at the table. There's not just a select few of us who tick all the boxes or seem to have our lives in order who are welcome in the kingdom of God, but actually it is for everyone wherever you're at. And I love that. Um, Before we kick on, we're going to go back a little bit and we're going to read another passage that happens just before this parable. So it's Luke 14, 1 to 14. Just gives you a little bit of extra context for what Jesus is banging on about. Um, so Luke 14, 1 to 14. Hey, Hannah, do you want to read this out? Sure. Hooray. Who doesn't like a change of voice? <laughs> Pardon. Now you've got your, uh, oh, should I do this guy? Yes. Oh, I'll just hold it for you. This is exciting. Um, so... One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. There was the man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Again, they could not answer. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honour near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honour. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has been invited? Then the host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when the host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honoured in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host. When you put a... On a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives and rich neighbours, for they will invite you back and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. Then, at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for your inviting those those who could not repay you. Mm. Thanks, son. You're welcome. Clip myself back on. Mm. Cool. So let's just recap what happened in those verses. Um, Jesus at a Pharisee's house, having a meal. It's, I mean, it's the same scene that we've just read before. He's still in the same house. Um, I love that at the start of this, of this gathering, he sees a guy, Jesus sees a guy who 
has swelling in his body, like maybe it was lymphedema or something. Like I don't, I, I'm not a medical human, but I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh, I've always skipped over that part that he just like he saw someone who needed healing, and that's how he started this banquet. Actually, the the person who was unwell, that was that person was more important, and he saw them um, for their need. I, I just think that's a cool little thing that maybe sometimes we skip over. And then following that interaction, um, Jesus looks around and he notices where everyone's sitting and that, you know, social status was a real thing back then. Um, and I, I guess it still is today, right? Like we like to know that we're, we like to think about where we, where we sit in things. And, um, and he's looking around and he's, he's seen where everyone's seated themselves and he's noticed their placement based on who they are and their social status. And, and then re- really Jesus goes on and he starts talking about um, humility and deflating our egos and uh, not assuming that we belong at the head of the table, um, but waiting to be invited to sit in a seat. And then um, I, I never noticed it before, but Jesus speaks directly to the host after he has a little ramble and then he says, Jesus, said, Jesus then said to his host... Um, and, and I was thinking about who this host would have been. It says that he was a prominent Pharisee. So chances is he was fairly high up in, like, the Pharisee order thing, um, whatever they called it. Does anyone know what they actually called it? Like, what the levels of being a Pharisee was? Oh, no, it doesn't really matter. But he was probably, like, a top dog. He was probably, like, second in charge or something. Like, he, he, he probably had a very well-respected role within the Pharisees and he probably wasn't used to having people call him out and tell him how he should actually be doing things. Um, and then Jesus goes on to, to tell him that when he hosts a gathering, don't invite his friends and rich neighbours where there's more chance of being invited back and like it becomes like a scratch, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Like I get an invitation to this party, I know that I'll get into the next party. Instead he says, invite the poor, invite the sick, and even though they can't pay you back. It's not about that. It's not about what others can do for you or how they make you look or how they make you feel about yourself. You are, you're called to welcome and love others with no strings attached. And I kind of love that. Um, yeah. And then isn't it funny, like if we jump back into the parable that we originally read, the parable of the great banquet, that it kicks off with after Jesus has said this to the host and like everyone has probably heard this teaching that Jesus actually, this guy goes, he compares this fancy meal to being in the kingdom of God, like, oh, this must be what it'll be like in the kingdom of God. And Jesus has just pretty much said, no, that's not exact. That's not how it's going to be. This is not. This is the opposite of what it's, it's like in the kingdom of God. Um, and he's just missed Jesus' teaching entirely. And I often wonder how often I miss his, what he's saying to me entirely as well, um, just as a little side note. But it's like Jesus has just taught this thing. Old mate has, has missed the point and then Jesus has to go and teach again. I'm like, isn't it nice that in the Bible he still has to, like, recap things? I feel like it gives us permission to not know what's going on half the time. 
Um, but I was, I was wondering, as I was reading this passage, um, how it actually relates to us today, um, in our city, in our community, in our families, in our workplaces. Um, and I think, and apologies if I offend you, <laughs> um, but this is for me as well, I think in church we can be entirely like the Pharisees. Um, we so easily exclude people who don't look like us, who don't think the same as us, who don't feel the same as us, who we kind of pick and choose who gets to be in the club, um, which is so rubbish. Um, And it's really important. I know that if you've been around for a little while, Chris and I, we bang on a lot about um, how we deeply want to create a community of people who are committed to pursuing doing life and faith together despite our differences. And I think that's really, really rare. It's rare today. It was rare in Jesus' time. It's a really hard way to do life. It's it really it's a poor choice. It's a poor way to do life if you if you just kind of want to get along and do your thing and, and just have everyone agree with you. It's 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 not a great way to choose to do church or choose to do choose to do life. Um, it riled society up then in the New Testament, and it still does now. It, it riles our society up when, when we try and create spaces that are safe for all kinds of people. Um, so that's just a... don't know how that makes you feel. Um, I don't really want to be like one of the Pharisees. Um, but, hey, maybe, maybe I'm sure that I, I still do it in my everyday um, so my prayer would be, by Holy Spirit, help me see where I'm doing that and help me to do the opposite. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, can, what's, can, can anyone think back to a time, you don't have to share this out loud, um, can you think back to a time when maybe you felt excluded or out of place or unwelcome in a situation and maybe it's something recent, um, maybe it's something from when you were a kid, but let me share something from when I was a kid uh, Take you back to 11-year-old Jen in year six, um, sports captain. Don't know how that happened. I think it was actually because I got a big set of lungs and uh, could hold a cheer really well and was really good at encouraging a large group of people to get involved in something. <laughs> rah, rah, pom-poms, here I was. Um, so sports captain, so not sporty. Like I played softball, I think, for a very short period of time at school and was booted off the team because I hit the ball very hard, swung my bat back, it slid out of my hands and hit the teacher in the face. Um, so that's like my, my sporting career is, was not off to a good start. So anyway, go to the swimming carnival. I am sports captain. I'm like, I need to lead by example. So I entered myself into every possible race that I could. And um, I don't think I had swum in properly in years. Um, so, you know, I didn't think about that. I was like, I'm all confident, so I'm good. Um, first race, we line up on the, what's the thing at the top of the pool? Blocks, starting blocks? Yes, yeah, starting blocks, see? We're off to a good start, sporty people. In that row, so shout out at me. <laughs> um, the, the bang, bang thing goes off, whatever they use, the cap gun. Uh, and all the girls that I'm racing against are 
they're my friends who are the ones who are part of like little A's and they get up at 5am and they swim and they run. And so they're really good athletes um, and they're made for this. And so, you know, cap gun goes off, everyone dives in, I belly flop in. So there we go. There's the, there's the start of my terrible race. And by the time they're all down the other end of the pool... I'm only a third of the way down the pool. What's this one? The one? Wait. Yeah, that one? Yeah. So we're doing, we're doing freestyle, overarm. Thank you. Not doggy paddle. Um, and everyone's down the other end. And I realised how far back I was that every time my arm went over, I'd grab the lane marker and pull myself down. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm pulling myself down the pool just to get to the end. Anyway, I came last. Very, very, very last earned a point for my house, woohoo, currawongs. Um, and then I quietly went and withdrew from all the other races from the day. Um, so my swimming career was so short-lived. But I felt so out of place that day. Um, but also I was a little bit proud of myself that I actually gave something a go, but then I... Maybe I shouldn't feel so proud because then I withdrew from everything. So um, <laughs> you, can, you can judge me on that one. But... That is, a, that is a solid time in my brain that I'm like, oh, I felt so out of place and I was, I was not where I belonged. Um, so maybe you can think of something for yourself. Um, could you put yourself in the shoes of the, the lame, the sick, the marginalised in this passage? Uh, can you imagine how excluded and unwelcome they were in society, especially by the religious leaders and if you think about religious leaders, you'd really, really hope that they're the ones who want to, like, bring the poor and the marginalised in um, and just do life, do life together. But no, that's not how it was. Imagine how out of place they would have felt when servants from someone, some rich guy's household came to them and invited them to a feast where they would have had no place sitting at that table usually. Um, and I, I don't know if it's true, but I imagine that, um, that servants would have probably sat higher in the social order um, of society than the sick, the lame and the poor. So that probably felt very jarring, having someone who, um, well, a servant is coming to me and inviting me to dinner. Like, that, that must have felt really uncomfortable. And then I was thinking, you know, there are these people who were living out on the lanes and... Uh, like the country lanes and the roads is what this passage says um, in verse 23. But I imagine it would have felt pretty uncomfortable um, having an invitation and kindness shown to them, um, knowing that someone has travelled probably out of the city and they've gone in search, in search for, for these people. Like I imagine wherever, wherever the poor and marginalised were, it wasn't close to where all the parties happened. It was, it was out of the way. It was out of sight. And that must have been fairly jarring too. Um, but I think it's pretty wild that if we put our shoes, uh, ourselves in the shoes of those poor and marginalised people in this passage, um, the invitation to participate in the kingdom of God is there for each of us too. That's um, pretty amazing. So if we... Zoom out a little bit more again, and we're thinking about the poor and marginalised, and we think about our region. Who comes to mind for you? 
Um, hello. I was like, that is not my child saying mum, but I'll answer to that. <laughs> um, yeah, who comes to mind when you think about the poor and the marginalised in our region? Uh, it's the high population of people who are being um, forced really to live in their car or in a tent at the moment, who haven't got a roof over their head or who, who really struggle to put a meal on the table? Uh, is it the young people who we keep hearing about who um, commit crimes, who, um, like, really, media's not a very nice place um, most of the time in our city at the moment. It focuses a lot of attention on these kids and there's a lot of, like, big blame games and, like, I find it yucky to read. Um, and, and I think, you know, we don't know their stories and we've never walked in their shoes and we don't know, um, we don't know what's going on in their world. We have, we have no idea. And maybe we could use a little bit more kindness when we think about those situations. Um, is it the refugees who have, who have fled unimaginable circumstances and they found themselves in this region and they don't speak our language and... They might be fully qualified back where, where home is for them, but they can't get a job here because there's a language barrier and there's a, their, their, job, their skills don't translate here or someone won't give them a chance. Maybe that's who you think about. And maybe it's, maybe it's something that's not visible. Maybe that's what comes to mind for you. Is it, uh, it could be someone who suffers from mental illness or... Um, people who are suffering from the cost of living crisis, or maybe it's, it's someone escaping an abusive situation. And maybe you could, you're thinking of other things, but they're just some of the things that popped to mind when I was thinking about our region and the problems that, that we face here. And they're uncomfortable to think about because it's so easy to stay in our bubbles. But I think Jesus came to just totally explode those bubbles and go, no, actually, the kingdom is upside down. And... We're called to, to live a life that, that cares for those, for those who are on, on the margins, who are on the edges. So what's your attitude? What's our attitude towards those people? And I just think, you know, God has opened this invitation um, to the kingdom of God, to them too. And it's us. So if you're into Jesus and you said, yeah, Jesus, I'm your friend, high five, um, which is a little more deep than high-fiving Jesus. But, you know, if we've, um, if we've said yes to Jesus and we've chosen to live a life that's following after him and being shaped by him, then we're called to be the ones who open the doors to the kingdom of God to them. Rather than pretending like they don't exist or we're uncomfortable with how they look or how they speak or where they live, we're actually called to go to them and to love them. And I find that really challenging, just so you know. I haven't got it together. It's just the things that I feel really challenged by um, because I don't want to live a stale... I don't want to have stale faith. Um, yeah, I want to live my life for other people. Um, and I know a lot, of, a lot of us feel that way too. Um, but, you know, as I've been speaking, I really hope that there's been one small thing that maybe the Holy Spirit has grabbed your heart with um, and I just had a, a few little few little lines of things that I thought that God was might be might have been doing this morning so 
I'm just going to read them out, and then the way that we're going to respond this morning, uh, usually if you're around most Sundays, you'd know that we do worship and then we do communion, which is just sharing a meal together um, of, of juice and crackers. Um, but we're going to do that in response to this because when Jesus came, he did meals with people and he opened the doors of the kingdom to whoever wanted to come. And so, what did I, I think I said earlier to, to Cindy, I can't remember. I feel like food is like the great equaliser. Um, it's, it's something we all need. It's something we all love. And, and I think Jesus just made it really accessible to us to catch a glimpse of his kingdom. He just opened up a table and he said, come. Um, so we're going to do that in a moment. I'm going to read out these things I feel like maybe the Holy Spirit's been doing in, in some of us this morning. And if there's something else that's great, write it down so you don't forget and mull on it and talk to someone about it. Because um, we're here not just, to, not just to feel good about ourselves and check a box because that's a boring way to do church. Um, we're here to like hear from the word of Jesus and then have him transform our lives. That's the point of what we're doing on a Sunday morning. Um, is to do community and have our lives transformed from the inside out by him. So um, maybe this morning you needed to be reminded that you, you are actually welcome at his table. You're welcome in his kingdom. Maybe you felt like you haven't been accepted or welcome there. Maybe that could have been your own, something you've just told yourself in your own head or something that's come from other people but you're welcome at his table. You're welcome to come as you are. Um, Maybe you needed to be reminded that you're invited to be an active participant in the kingdom of God. So the stuff that Jesus came to do was praying for healing and he was was transforming people's lives. Like, we're called to do that. Maybe you needed a reminder that you're called to love Jesus and walk in humility with him. Maybe your head has been getting a little bit big and it's a while since you've stopped long enough to kneel at King Jesus' feet and allow him to remind you of who he is. I often need that one, just a reminder that uh, my ego often needs to be taken down a few pegs. (laughs) I think that's just part of being a human. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been tugging at your heart over a situation you see in your family or your workplace or in our region. And maybe he's asking you to take a tiny, tiny, tiny step of faith and encourage someone or say hi, and you've been fearful of what happens next. And maybe you just need to hand that over to him and go, what's the next thing you want me to do? And if there's something else, you grab hold of that. Um, but we're going to do communion together. And then we're just, we have time. So um, if you want, if any of those things have grabbed you, feel free to get someone after we do communion and have someone pray for you. Because um, we're not supposed to do this faith thing alone. Um, it's not about struggling alone. Um, we want to, I think Jesus, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are so active in our lives and often we forget um, that they're, yeah that they're very invested in each one of us. So, um, hey, let's do communion together. Um, Laura is going to come round.
with with a tray. Might get another person. We've got oh, Chris is going to go. Um, so this is for everyone. You don't have to be into Jesus. Um, you're welcome to skip over it. Um, you don't have to join in if, if it makes you uncomfortable. Um, but everyone is welcome to come and to have some juice and to have gluten-free cracker. Um, and it's just a way that we like to remember. Um, well, Jesus taught us to remember him, remember who he is. Um, and I think it's a great way to start the week. I kind of see my Sunday as, as the start of the week. Okay, while that's all being handed out, I've got David's Bible here that has a beautiful little, um, a beautiful little passage that um, of Jesus doing communion. So I'm just going to read that, and then we're going to do this together. Okay, it says, and then Jesus picked up some bread and he broke it. He gave it to his friends. He picked up a cup of wine and thanked God for it. He poured it out and shared it. My body is like this bread. It will break, Jesus told them. This cup of wine is like my blood. It will pour out. But this is how God will rescue the whole world. My life will break and God's broken world will mend. My heart will tear apart and your hearts will heal. Just as the Passover lamb died, so now I will die instead of you. My blood will wash away all your sins and you'll be clean on the inside in your hearts. So whenever you eat and drink, remember, Jesus said, I've rescued you. So I'm going to take the cracker and Jesus, we just remember your, your body that broke for us. And we take the grape juice and yeah, Jesus, we remember your blood that was spilt for us. And we just say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you came to bring the kingdom near. You came to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom here on earth. And thank you that you flung the doors wide open. And that invitation for each one of us, it doesn't matter who we are, where we've been, what we've done, um, that you just invite us every single day to come do life with you, to sit at the table with you and to participate in, yeah, just in the kingdom with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that, yeah, we thank you that you're going to transform our region, that you are transforming our region. Thank you that you're transforming us from the inside out. We just ask for more. We want to be more like you, Jesus. You did it. Good on you. If you want more where that came from, search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or at tvc.org.au. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to connect. Thanks for listening. Grace and peace to you wherever you are.